Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. My name is Katie Parker and I work as a local foods and small farms educator with University of Illinois Extension in Quincy, Illinois. And today I am honored to speak with our my co-host, Ken Johnson in Jacksonville, Illinois. How are you doing today, Ken? I'm doing good. How about you? Pretty good. Have you started uh, getting any snow over in Jacksonville? Uh, not yet. So what time is it? One fifty <laughs> on <laughs> Tuesday afternoon. Just rained so far, but right. I think we're in the uh, twelve plus inches potentially bands. So it's gonna right. be fun. Oh, for sure. Um, I think that every store is probably sold out of food, shovels, and salt by now. So uh, right. my wife, we didn't go grocery shopping this weekend. <laughs> which was not very smart. My wife went out yesterday and she said it was, it was the busiest she's ever seen some of the <laughs> grocery stores. So, Oh, right. I got a text this morning from um, my boyfriend, Matt, and he's like, do we need to go buy a generator? People at work are saying we're supposed to lose power. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think these are like the fish stories, you know, my fish is this big, but this stove is going to be way bigger. But well, lucky for Chris, he's going to miss out on the snowstorm as he's headed to Florida to enjoy some nice weather in Disney World. Uh, have you heard anything from Chris, Ken? I haven't. I don't know how lucky he is. I think he left a week, week too soon. He should have stuck around <laughs> for this. <and> then left. <laughs> I have to send him pictures of all the snow he's missing. Out. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> His neighbors will definitely know he's gone. There'll be no tra- tracks or anything. He'll be the only house with an untroubled driveway. Go to his house and build a snowman. For him. <laughs> you can leave him all kinds of surprises. So one thing to think about with the snow that we're getting is uh, oftentimes during uh, weather events like this, we will spread salt on our driveways on the, or on the road. Um, to help with melting the snow. And there are some negative side effects that can occur from that salt that um, to, on our plants. And so um, what are some of the things that we can see with salt in plants, Ken? So there's a couple different ways salt can kind of injure plants. So first you've got that spray, so you have spray coming off the road from cars driving by and splashing that salt water on plants. So you get a lot of desiccation or that that leaf tissue is drying out or or even stems and stuff basically that salt kind of sucks all the water out of those tissues and 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 things dry out uh, and they can die so a lot of times you'll see uh, especially along like sidewalks and roads um, trees shrubs even turf um, if you got enough salt in there where you get some dead spots on those plants um, because of that it can also get into the soil we're talking about rock salt here so sodium chloride um and when that gets into the soil, it, it gets absorbed into water and it separates into sodium and chloride. And when that gets into the soil, it can cause some issues. Um, it can cause um, the soil structure to change so it doesn't clump as well. It deflocculates, if you want to use the, the technical term there. Use that in your next trivia night or something. Um, but it can cause issues and it also can affect the roots. Um, you know, kind of same thing, dry out that root zone and make it difficult for plants to take up water. So it's kind of a double whammy sometimes. So you gotta be careful with where you're putting salt down and how much you're putting down so you're not affecting your plants too much. 
and if you do get a lot in your soil, you can flush that out, but you're going to be putting a lot of water on that soil to kind of flush that, that salt out of the root zone of the plants. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, we see some of these issues with our grass that's up near the road because um, we tend to have to, to a terrible time getting it to grow. Um, so those are some potential issues that you can see occurring with uh, over or too much salt application. Yeah, and I mean, there's some things you can do to kind of prevent that. So if, you, if you're by a road or maybe even a sidewalk, uh, you can put up some barriers to kind of keep that salt spray off. So you could be like a burlap or something up um, on plants or put up like a burlap fence or something to kind of intercept some of that salt spray so it's not getting up plants. Uh, try not to use as much salt, so put them on like high-risk areas like stairs uh, or something like that. Don't just go putting it out everywhere you possibly can. You can, but that may not be the best for your plants uh, anyway. And there's alternatives um, to rock salt that don't damage plants. Uh, a lot of times those alternatives um, are, are going to cost more um, than rock salt. So um, University of Wisconsin has got a really nice document um, and we can put that in the, in the show notes that talks about some of the different um, types of de-icing products out there. So calcium chloride, magnesium chloride are, are couples that don't affect plants um, as much, but they do have their drawbacks too. Um, they're more expensive. Uh, calcium chloride. Um, I've never used it, but I guess it can get kind of slimy. Uh, almost um, surfaces kind of stay wet. It doesn't kind of dry out as well uh, and stuff. And they're still corrosive like salt is on metal um, and stuff like that. But the benefits of something like um, some of those, they can work colder. So rock salt usually only works down to like 20 degrees before it stops working. Um, whereas, um, you know, calcium chloride um, can go down to 20 below before it stops working and magnesium chloride down to zero and, and stuff like that. So I've seen like the environmentally friendly salt that uh, a lot of the stores sell. Is that the calcium chloride probably that you're talking about? I would say probably calcium or the magnesium. And and if an alternative like de-icing stuff is you could just use sand, um, basically something like gritty sand, like probably use kitty litter if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, something that's just going to give you some traction. It's not going to melt ice or anything, um, but it'll provide traction so you don't slip as easily. Yeah, those are some great options. Hopefully by the time you're hearing this, <laughs> you've gotten rid of most of your snow and ice, but if you haven't, right. for the future, here's some options. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't make any of these mistakes <laughs> and sea salt burn. Yes. So I'm hoping that we get a snow day tomorrow, um, but uh, I don't know how likely that is. But can you think of any talk or anything that we can do while we're at home um, bundled up or stuck inside? So this time of year, I mean, garden catalog, seed catalogs are coming in. So if you haven't ordered your seeds yet, um, you know, if you've got, if you still have power and stuff, <laughs> um, that would be a good time to, to bundle up or hunker down and um, check out some seed catalogs, find out what you want to grow. Um, 
and then start ordering some of that stuff because depending on what you want to grow, if you're growing some of the the cool season stuff, and you're gonna start that from seed, broccoli, cabbage, whatnot, um, you're gonna transplant that. You're you're probably gonna want to start those seeds here relatively soon, um, so you can get those ready. Um, and I we ordered our seeds uh, early January, and there was already some stuff that was running out. Um, certain cultivars of things that we wanted to get. So uh, get on that if you haven't done that already. Yeah, definitely. And I know that like um, in my case, I have a lot of seeds left over from last year. And so I will likely, um, I've kept them in a, a cool, dry place throughout the winter. And so um, I'm going to plant a lot of those out this year. Um, but one thing that you can do to check to make sure that that seed is still viable is you can do a simple seed germination test. Um, and so that's a great way to uh, prevent like any time wasted. So if you go ahead and uh, try to sprout all that, all those seeds and none of them end up sprouting, um, a germination test is a great way to prevent that. And so something as simple as putting some seeds on a moist paper towel and seeing how many of them germinate is a great way to do that. Or you can even uh, do like a moist paper towel and cover it with a thin layer of soil. Uh, typically I do like multiples of 10. So I'll plant out 10 seeds or 20 seeds or something so I can easily get a germination rate. So obviously if I have eight seeds out of 10 that germinate, I have an 80% germination rate um, and it's pretty decent chance that I'll have a, a, a good germination rate with my seeds for growing them this year. Yeah, we usually do the paper, paper wet paper towel in a plastic bag and mm -hmm. it was like 60%, if it's less than 60% kind of recommendation is to just buy a new seed. Right, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think ex you're exactly right, 60%. Um, because if you get down to a 50-50 chance of germination, it may not be a, a great surprise. Sometimes Unless you I like, can't. Go ahead. So sometimes I like to roll the dice. And if I've got lower, I just I seed the, the cells a little more heavily. Right. So instead yep. of one or two seeds, I'll put four or five. Oh, for sure. And you can sometimes always... I end up with five plants in one and, <laughs> and nothing in no, anything else. But spin them later, right? So another fun activity that uh, we can do around this time of year is forcing branches. And so Ken, you've written an article about this before uh, with the Good Growing blog. Can you tell us a little bit more about forcing branches? Yeah, so this time of year, um, you know, getting into February and March, um, a lot of times we'll start to do pruning trees and stuff. So you know, if you're pruning any of our, our spring, spring blooming trees or shrubs, um, redbud, forsythia, crabapple, stuff like that, you can take some of those smaller branches that you've pruned, or you can just go out and prune them just to, do, to force them uh, and bring those inside and force those branches, uh, kind of get some, a head start on spring, I guess, uh, get some color um, from your landscape there. So typically you just, you prune off those smaller twigs and stuff. Um, usually maybe 12, 18 inches long. A lot of it just kind of depends on the vase you're putting them in. Um, bring those inside, stick them in some water. You may want to recut those, those ends um, at an angle. I've heard of people 
taking the ends of the branches and smashing them with a hammer. Um, so you got a lot of surface area there for them to take up water. Um, and just put them in the water and basically treat them like cut flowers. Um, change that water every once in a while so you don't get bacteria buildup. Uh, and then usually, depending on, on the plant, usually a couple weeks, two or three weeks, um, I think for like for Scythia, um, maybe four plus weeks for something like crab apple, those buds, flower buds should start opening up um, and blooming for you. Um, when that happens, like a lot of other flowers, you kind of keep them in a cooler location out of direct sun, those blooms will last longer. Um, so an option um, for doing that. And so if you have tree fruit, um, you can do the same thing. It's a lot of the commercial growers will cut branches, especially when you've had real cold winters um, and force those blooms to see um, if those flower buds got damaged at all um, to kind of see how how many viable flowers and stuff they're going to have if they're going to have a crop or or, or what that crop's going to look like potentially. Um, okay. Have you done this before, Ken? Uh, a few times. So our, our neighbor has a, a redwood uh, right on the, the fence line. Some of it hangs over in our yard. So we want to collect some of those every once in a while. Um, and then with, with flower buds, when you're looking at those branches, the flower buds are going to be the larger, um, typically more plump um, buds compared to the leaf blood, buds, which are going to be a little bit smaller. Uh, so if you're, if you're going to be doing this, try to find those branches that have a lot of flower buds on them uh, and stuff. Um, and I forgot to mention earlier that, you know, we say, you know, this plant's going to take a couple weeks, but if it's, you know, if it takes four or five weeks, um, those plants may not have gotten enough cold temperatures. So basically they have to get a certain amount of, of cold weather, chilling hours, call it what you want before those flowers will bloom. So if, if you cut some branches and they're not blooming after four or five weeks, you may have just cut them too soon. Um, so go back out, cut some more, and hopefully they would have gotten their, their chilling requirements, requirements by then and they can start blooming for you. Again, you'll have to wait another few weeks before they open up, but that may be the, the case as to why they're not opening up for you. Well, thank you, Ken, for all of that great information. And I hope you don't get snowed in too much tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is produced by Wendy Ferguson. And this week, the podcast is edited by myself. Thank you to our listeners for doing what you do best, listening, and to our viewers for doing what you do best, watching. And of course, keep on growing.